This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. Our scripture lesson that was read came from Paul's letter to the Romans. It came from the 12th chapter and the reading was from the 14th through the 21st verse. And in this spirit of worship and gratitude and thanksgiving, hear the words of the Apostle Paul. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I once told a story of a little boy by the name of Johnny, who while visiting his grandparents on their farm, was given a slingshot to play out in the woods. He practiced in the woods, but he could never hit the target that he was aiming at. And getting a little discouraged, he decided to head back home to the farm for lunch. As he was walking back, he identified and saw his grandmother's pet duck. And just out of impulse, he let the stone fly, hitting the duck squarely in the head, killing it. He was shocked and he was grieved. In panic, he hid the dead duck in a wood pile only to notice that his sister Sally was watching the whole time and that she had seen everything but said nothing. After lunch that day, Grandma said, Sally, let's wash the dishes. But Sally said, Grandma, Johnny told me that he wanted to help in the kitchen today, didn't you, Johnny? And then she whispered to Johnny, remember the duck. So Johnny did the dishes. Later, Grandpa asked if the children wanted to go fishing, and Grandma said, I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help me make supper. But Sally smiled and said, well, that's all right, Grandma. Johnny told me that he wanted to help. And she whispered again in Johnny's ear, remember the duck. So Sally went fishing and Johnny stayed back to make supper. After several days of Johnny doing both his chores and Sally's chores, he finally got to the point where he could stand it no longer. He went to his grandmother and he confessed that he had in fact killed her favorite pet duck. She then knelt down. She gave him a hug. 
And she said, sweetheart, I know. You see, I was standing at the window the whole time and I saw the whole thing. And because I love you, I forgave you. But I was just wondering how long you would let Sally make a slave out of you. You might not have really thought about it, but church, there's a lot of Sally's in this room and a lot of Sally's watching online right now. I don't know what's in your past and I don't know what is the one sin that the devil keeps throwing into your faces, but whatever it is, I want you to know something. Jesus Christ was standing at the window and he saw the whole thing. And because he loves you, he has forgiven you. Perhaps he's even wondering how long you will let the devil hang that sin over your head and make a slave out of you. You have been forgiven. I can't say that with enough emphasis. It doesn't matter what you have done, where you have been, what has been done to you, how you even feel about yourself, whether you think you are worthy or you are unworthy. Jesus was standing at the window. He saw everything that you have done. And because he loves you, he has forgiven you. I need you, church, to believe what I've just told you. But how we treat each other matters. And how we treat people, especially after we know something about them, matters. So today I want to speak on the subject of Christian living. And in particular, how we relate and treat each other. So I've titled this sermon today quite simply, Blessed to be a Blessing. Blessed to be a Blessing. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that today we have offered you our worship. It's the first Sunday, Lord, that we have returned to a somewhat full worship experience. And I pray, oh God, that people will remember why we gather in the first place. Not just to hear something that will tickle our ears or even to be entertained, but to offer unto you our worship through the lifting of our voices, the raising of our hands, the offering of our resources, but giving to you our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to a holy God. Now, Spirit of the living God, since you are here, you might as well preach. So preach to your children. Speak a word now, Lord, through this broken vessel that someone who needs to hear that they are blessed to be a blessing will not just hear the words, but will believe it in their heart. This is our prayer. And we pray this in faith, in Jesus' holy name. And the church said amen, 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 and amen. Now here is a truth, church. Every good gift comes from God. 
Every good gift comes from God. And the only reason why you and I were given gifts in the first place and given the talents that we've been given is because they are to be used for the benefit of someone else. God did not give you all the blessings that you have just for you to keep it to yourself and only for you to benefit from it. He has given you all of the wonderful gifts and talents just so that it can become a blessing to someone else. In other words, you were blessed to be a blessing. But we're all predisposed to thinking about what? Our own needs and our own wants in order to do what? To get what we want. We think about ourselves over and above everyone or anything else, especially before other people. This is expressly why Paul is urging us to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. We, but, but, but we are naturally predisposed, hear me church, to being self-absorbed, naturally predisposed to being self-reliant, naturally predisposed to being self-serving, and in a phrase, naturally selfish. Human beings are capable of unimaginable cruelty to one another. Amen. And this is all because of sin. That vicious nature, it actually knows no bounds. And people resort to criticizing, insulting, bullying, assaulting, killing, and torturing each other more and more and more. And if given the right circumstances, we will continue to leverage this control over people unless something or someone stops us. How much of this horrible behavior, though, would any of the perpetrators feel comfortable being exacted on themselves? We do unto others that which we do not want others to do unto us. I hope you hear what I said. We do unto others that which we do not want others to do unto us. So the question becomes, why is it so difficult to think of others before ourselves? Why is it so difficult for us to put aside our own selfish wants unless it benefits us in some way? Why is it so easy for us to take every opportunity to take advantage of others like Sally did in the story? comes very easy. And wh why is it so difficult to love our neighbors as ourselves? The answer lies in the fact that most, if not many of us, lack empathy. Mm. Empathy. The word empathy, it literally means the ability to understand and share in the feelings of someone else. Right? To understand and to share in the feelings of someone else. This is very different from sympathy. You see, sympathy are our feelings of pity and sorrow for someone else's misfortune, which is what most people express. Let me give you an example. Every time, and you notice this on television, every time something bad happens, you hear politicians on television or the news people on, on TV, what are they programmed to say? Our thoughts and prayers are with you are go out to the families. Isn't that what they all say? Our thought, something happens to you and you hear our thoughts and prayers are with you. Right? Okay. I, I, I get it. But what on earth does that even mean? And how, and how helpful is that? Because do you really think these politicians and these people on TV that they are praying on behalf of these families? When, when, when the shooting occurred in Sandy Hook and all of those little babies had died and all you hear on TV was, 
Our thoughts and prayers are with those families. Can you see, and I'm not making judging anyone, but can you see Don Lemon going home and praying? Lord, I pray for those families. Do you see it? I don't know, and I'm not anybody's judge. I'm simply saying that sometimes when we say to people, our thoughts and prayers are with you, it is empty rhetoric because we cannot deal with the discomfort of the awkward silence. Not knowing what to tell people when they are in the midst of unimaginable tragedy makes you shift the emphasis from them to how you feel. I don't know what to say to this. Um, what you're really saying when you say to someone, our thoughts and prayers go out to you. Let me tell you exactly what you are saying to people. What you're saying is, I'm sorry that you have to go through that, but it's better you than me. Wow. Wow. That's what people hear when you come with your empty rhetoric. Now, you may mean well, but as a church of God, we have to do a better job of being able to be empathetic to people when they are going through their most difficult and challenging times. This is why God sent the church. Because the church and the church alone is equipped to come with the love of the master. This church are the only people who God has given agency in this world to be a blessing to people in their times of need. That's why you are blessed to be a blessing. The whole purpose of being empathetic is not solely for you to be able to feel sorry for someone. It's also for you to know how to behave around someone. How many times have you been in situations where your lack of empathy makes you do and say some of the most ridiculous things? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Think, telling people things like, you gotta think positive. What, what, what is that? What do you do with that? Or, 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 or I know what you're going through. <laughs> you don't. You don't. It, how about after someone has been through a separation from a relationship that was meaningful, you say things like, well, I never liked him or her anyway. Someone's hurting. Or, 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 or the Lord works in mysterious ways. May sound good, but it's rarely comforting to people. Everything will be fine. You don't know that. Or, or, or there's always someone off worse than you. Have you ever used that one? You know you have. There's someone, you know, you should be grateful because as bad as it is right now, someone's suffering much more than you. How is that helpful? And the most horrific of all that we say to people, especially during a time of loss, they're in a better place. What kind of God would make me suffer thinking that the better place for my loved one is not where I am. So what I'm saying, church, is we ought to be careful about how we administer love to others. And we have to, as the church, grow up and stop treating people the way that we don't want them to treat us. Amen. So the idea here is that many of us do not practice empathy, but instead Sympathy. We, we cannot identify with the suffering of someone else, so we end up dismissing them with our vain, empty words. And it's easier to dismiss people and treat them poorly. So the Apostle Paul seeks to help us with our empathy. And this is what he says 
in our text, particularly in verse 14 through 16. Paul says this. Listen to me, church. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Don't be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Are you hearing the Apostle Paul? Paul is helping us see how we are to be with persons. Both those that we like and those that we may not like. <laughs> we, we need to bless persecutors and rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those that weep, and be of the same mind to one another. But how easy is that to do, church? If someone walks into this church right now and they had a sign around their neck, someone we have never seen, and they have a sign around their neck that says, my husband and child was just killed in a car accident and I have come to this church because I need God, how would you treat them? Would you be more concerned about whether or not they're dressed appropriately? Or whether or not they stand at the right time during the service? Or whether or not they come to the altar and bawl their eyes out in a time of COVID when really we're trying to be socially distant? What would you do and how would you treat them if people walked around with a sign telling you what their issues were? Would you change the way you treat them? You see, the problem with the church and many of us is that we think we know more than God. And very often the people that God sends into our midst and into our presence was not sent there so much for them to, to be able to, to meet our standards, but for them to help us draw closer to God. The point I'm making is that you don't know what people are dealing with in everyday life. It, it just might be possible that in the midst of all of their traumas, you were the one person that showed them any empathy and compassion. But we need to dig a little deeper into what the Apostle Paul is saying. Let's take the first part. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Did you hear that? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. I'll admit this is a very straightforward statement, but it is not very clear. Who are those who persecute us? Who is Paul talking about? Well, I got some ideas. To persecute means that you are subjecting someone else to hostility, ill treatment, especially because of their race, political, or religious beliefs. That's what it means to persecute. If you believe a certain way, and you think a certain way, and you look a certain way, and you come under ill treatment from others, and hostility, you are being persecuted. Now. I know I said a lot right there, so let me see if I can give you a few suggestions as a black man who my persecutors might be. How about racist white supremacists? Our society today seems to be open season for these people who they're not even trying to hide their racism and bigotry. 
They, they seem to be projecting this spirit of entitlement. You just watch the news and you'll see it. They're projecting this spirit of entitlement and it's becoming more prevalent because the people in positions who can do something about it are the same ones who put them in there in the first place. So we're dealing with a persecution from these white supremacist type. How about some police departments? Now, this is not a political speech. I'm just making a point. Notice I didn't say some police officers. I said police departments. What you need to be clear about is that many police officers subject African-Americans to hostility and ill treatment because it's a behavior that is condoned by their relative police departments. People do what they can get away with. Right? And I'm not saying that there aren't a few that might have good intentions, but the fact of the matter is, if you are involved in a system where it's okay to look the other way at injustice, you're not part of the problem. You are the problem. Amen. How about the MAGA crowd? The Make America Great Again folks. Just listen to the rhetoric that comes from today's Republicans, and you'll be hard-pressed to find anything good. Just look at how they treated Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson. A woman so perfectly qualified, the only thing they could find fault with is one case that wasn't even what she was trying to do, but yet still they opened the, the red carpet to the Brett Kavanaugh's who've been a, a, a accused of multiple sexual indiscretions. I'm just saying, I'm just looking at these persecutors. And last but not least, one more, the church. Yes, I said the church. Historically, even today, some of the most hateful, bigoted, and misogynistic people are our very own supposed brothers and sisters within our own community of faith. Unless someone conforms to our personal ideas of right and appropriate behavior, we're quick to judge and to persecute. Sadly, our houses of worship are filled with a lot of sallies who lurk around waiting for every opportunity to exploit you and point fingers at you. Now, I could name a lot more, but I'm not going to. But suffice it to say, I gave you these few because I wanted you to have a sense of who the persecutors might even be in your life and mine. Now, when you understand that these are the persecutors in your life and mine, how do you now hear Paul say, bless those that persecute you? Bless and do not curse. There is no part of me that feels like blessing Derek Chauvin, Dylan Roof, or any of these people that did the things they have done. There is no part of me that feels like doing that. Right? There's no part of me that can look at the, the, the police officer with his knee on George Floyd's neck and feel like I need to bless him. So Paul, what are you talking about? And what is it that you're expecting from the church? When you're telling us, bless those who persecute us. Bless and do not curse. Is, is this making sense to you? Are, are you challenged by what the Bible is telling us to do? But Paul is not kidding. Paul is not kidding. And he is not only suggesting that we bless them. He's also suggesting that we do not curse them. Why? <laughs> Why would... The Apostle Paul, who is no stranger to persecution himself, instruct us to denounce our natural impulse to exact justice on these persecutors. The answer lies in our relationship with God. 
In a nutshell, here's what I want you to know, church. To bless someone is to invoke the favor of God upon that person. When you bless someone, you are invoking the favor of God upon someone, right? To curse someone is to invoke the wrath of God upon someone. Do you understand? So, so when Paul says, bless those who persecute you and do not curse them, he is literally asking us to invoke the favor of God upon Donald Trump, Tucker Carlson, Derek Chauvin, Dylan Roof, but do not invoke your wrath upon them. God's wrath upon them. That is what Paul is saying. You and I as children of the Most High God have been given the privilege of sonship and how we use that authority has a direct impact on our relationship with God. This is why Jesus, when he hung on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus in that moment was invoking the favor of God upon the very people that pierced his hands, pierced his feet, and pierced his side. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Jesus blessed those same people. Now imagine with me for a moment, because I love to play with the scriptures. Just imagine Jesus, the Son of God. Just imagine if he had said, now, <laughs> Father, curse them for they know exactly what they are doing can you imagine if Jesus said that from the cross you would have seen lightning bolts thunder hail all kinds of things that happened to Sodom and Gomorrah happening to these people right there as he was on that cross but I can tell you one thing to be true church if Jesus chose instead to curse as opposed to blessing his persecutors, he would disqualify himself from being the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Do you understand what I'm saying? What Jesus did on that cross is something that I don't believe the church in many ways fully understood the gravity of what he did. He had the power to turn water into wine. He had the power to make the lame walk. He had the power to make the deaf hear. He had the power to make the blind see. He had the power to make the leprous whole. Believe me when I tell you, he had the power to rain down damnation. But he chose to bless his persecutors and not curse them. This is what I want you to understand, my brothers and sisters, is that you as a believer, the power of life and death resides in your tongues and mine. Amen. When we speak words to people, whether or not we like them or we don't like them, we have commanded the authority of heaven to now operate on your command. How will you use that power to bless and invoke the 
goodness and the favor of God upon someone that just took your parking space? Or will you invoke the wrath of God on someone who might just have made an honest mistake and didn't know? How are you using the favor of God on your life? Because I've told you, you have been blessed to be a blessing. You have not been blessed by God to be a curse. And brothers and sisters, I want you to also understand that that same power happens when you invoke the favor of God over your own life in the same similar way that sometimes you invoke the wrath of God over your own life. Sometimes the things that we say to ourselves are so damning that God is saying, stop talking to yourself in that way. Stop telling people, oh, you know, I'm just a good for nothing. Stop telling yourself and telling people about how you see yourself as a failure. Bless your persecutors. Bless and do not curse. But bless yourselves as well. And do not invoke the wrath of God upon yourselves. This is what it means to be a blessing. To, to be an agent of pronouncing the favor of God on people that may or may not even deserve it. Now, I'm not trying to suggest that any of this is easy to do. But we do have an example on how to endeavor to be like this. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, many of us are good people. Some of us are good people. <laughs> and despite our issues, deep down inside, we want to be the bl a blessing in the lives of other people. But we find it difficult. It's difficult because we have spent too much time leaning to our own understanding and trying to do things our way. But Jesus is our role model. Yes, and he has shown us that if we want to be a blessing, then we have to become like Christ, who thought it not robbery to shed his goodness and take on the form of a lowly servant. If we want to be a blessing, we have to live like Christ, who, who showed compassion for the least in our community, by healing and caring for the disenfranchised, the despised, the discarded in our society. He didn't have sympathy, or oh, better you than me, but he had empathy and compassion. If we want to be a blessing, we have to love like Christ, who ate and sat with sinners and advocated for the powerless, the widowed, and the orphaned. And lastly, if we want to be a blessing, not only do we have to become like Christ, live like Christ, Love like Christ. But here's the hard part for you, church. We have to die like Christ. He died sacrificially by presenting his body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to a loving God. He paid the price and for the sins of many. Likewise, when you die to your own self, your own pride, your own need, your own self-absorption, the things that you care about for you, then what I'm telling you is that you have died to yourself and you are ready to be blessed, to be a blessing. Clearly easier said than done. But you are urged by the Apostle Paul to do it. Because this is what it takes 
to be a blessing to others. And by doing this, you will be conforming to the image of Christ. And when you conform to Christ, you start to look like him. You start to walk like him. You start to talk like him. And when you walk into a room, they can't help but see the light shining out of you. That, you, that the words that come out of your mouth, you can't even curse. All you'll be doing is pronouncing the favor of God upon the lives of the people you meet, whether you think they deserve it or not. This is what it means to be blessed, to be a blessing. And my prayer is that you all feel today especially so blessed that when you leave here, you are ready to speak the favor of God over the lives of those you meet. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.